Okay, you didn't did everything. Yep. So, uh, what we want to talk about today is uh, that full third verse again, which is by draw near hither, ye sons of a sorceress, the seed of adulterer and the whore. Here it's, it continues on the read though. Against whom do ye sport yourselves? Against whom make ye a wide mouth and draw out the tongue? Are ye not children of transgression, a seed of falsehood, inflaming yourselves with idols under every green tree, slaying the children in the valleys under the cliffs of the rocks? Among the smooth stones of the stream is thine portion. They, they are that thy life. Even to them hast thou poured a drink offering. Thou hast offered meat offerings. Should I receive comfort in these? Upon a lofty and high mountain hast thou set thine bed. Even thither wentest thou up to offer sacrifices. Behind the doors also in the post hast thou set up thine remembrance. For thou hast discovered thyself to another, another than me, and art gone up. Thou hast enlarged thine bed and made thee a covenant with them. Thou lovest their bed where thou sawest it. And thou wentest to the king with ointment and didst increase thine perfumes and didst send thy messages far off and didst debase thyself even unto hell. Thou art wearied in the greatness of thine way, yet sayest thou not, There is no hope. Thou hast found the life of thine hand, therefore thou wast not grieved. And of whom hast thou been afraid of fear that thou hast lived, lied, and hast not remembered me, nor laid it to thine heart? Have not I held my peace even of old, and thou fearest me not? I would decline thine righteousness and thine works, for they shall not profit thee. When thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them, but he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land, and inherit my holy inherit my holy mountain, and shall say, Cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabited eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones for I will not contend forever neither will I be always wroth for the spirit should fail before me and the sons souls which I have made for the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him I hid me and was wroth and he went on frowardly in the way of his heart I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off and to him that is near, saith the Lord. I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. In that chapter, if I could kind of leave it in the context in which it was delivered, but it was delivered as a group to the nation of Israel. And I was telling, in the last days, 
we have to study, and that's why it calls for us as a church, as a unit, to study God's Word and to look at what happened in the Old Testament as an admonition unto us of what not to do as the nation of Israel did and what was the characteristics of the nation and of the people of that nation. We need to find out who he was talking to, what are the symbols and the signs what he are, he's talking about, and to grow and rightly divide the word of truth and apply it to our life to where it changes us, to where it makes us a spiritual person because unless, unless we are born again and get up of, of a spiritual mind, it would be like it was to them. It would be line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, because they're not getting understanding or meaning or purpose out of it. It's kind of like circular logic. It just goes round and round, and it's not achieving anything. So it's that he issues an indictment. He tells the characteristics of the people of that nation, of what that nation was doing. But within that description of the characteristics that he's describing and the indictment that he's bringing against the people, there were chosen people among them, a peculiar people, a called out people, in which they were getting a spiritual perception of what God was talking about and they didn't walk in the ways of the rest of the world. So, if we look at it, and he's talking about talking to Jeremiah and all of the preachers throughout Babylon, we have to have a picture of the world, of the course of this world, of the world order, a direction in which the world is headed, and that direction is nowhere. That direction is vanity and vexation of spirit. And they have no consciousness or awareness. They're asleep. And to use today's terminology, they hadn't been awakened. They're not woke. In the nation today, you hear the terminology, someone that's woke. And I, 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 I use spiritual terminology in telling us, those of us that are born again, those of us that are able to hear what God's saying, that God is speaking and saying something, and that we can see what's going on. So we are peculiar people. We are different from the world, uh, different from the people that he's addressing here. The people that he's addressing here is the people of the world. He calls them, he says, adulterers children of sorcerers he also says the seed of adulterers and of, of the whore in other words someone with unlike characteristics of him goes back and it takes us all the way back to the beginning when he said that the seed of the woman was to bruise the head of the seed of the serpent of the seed of Satan so he's addressing the two seeds in the earth. One seed is a cursed seed. They're cursed children 
and all of the characteristics of that seed of the characteristics of, of that those particular individuals falls into this category. They don't fall into the category of the children of God, of the seed of the woman, of those that are born again, of those that have been quickened, or made alive, or want to use secular terminology in the word of the day, is who have been woke. They are woke to what's going on around them. They are conscious. They are made aware. God's making them aware. They're getting an understanding and wisdom of what's going on, whereas the world is continuing to bring forth the fruits of the world, the things of the world. We see where uh, last week I started, and uh, forgive me if I, I left the paperwork. I took it home. I thought I'd left it here on my desk. I'm getting, like I said, I'm kind of old getting forgetful and more forgetful as I go along. But James, the fourth chapter of James, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. Ye adulterers, adulterers, and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture said in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusted to envy, but he give it more grace, wherefore he says, God resist the proud, but give it grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sin, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Continue on reading in that. But what we see here, those that he says draw nigh to God are opposite than the ones that he say in the third verse of chapter 57 of Isaiah, but draw nigh hither ye sons of sorceress and the seeds of adulterers and the whore. In other words, his children that draw near to him hear his word, hear his warnings, hear the barking of the preacher and they see the word. They hear the word. They are addressed by the word and the word starts to change them. It has an effect upon their lives because of the fear of God being able to hear. Whereas that adultery seed, that seed of the evildoer of Satan, they cannot hear so they will continue in their sins and continue along as what it says in the rest of that 57th chapter with the course of this world, running the course of this world. And those that become of a religious bent, when I say of a religious bent, is that man loves to be religious, but there's a spirit in man that lusted to envy and man must be born again of the Spirit of God. 
that spirit of God, when it's born, uh, when we are born again, that spirit starts a war within us. He says, where does the war come from with, and he says, from the lust that within your members. Because there's going to be a fight when you are born again that there's going to be a struggle and you have to buffet your body. You have to die to self. You have to put those selfish desires, the one that calls war, the one that calls lust, the one that's at enmity with God. You remember I told you at the beginning that seed that's at enmity with God, all of the things that are of dust, of the world, we come it from the world and we return to the world, we come it from dust, we return to dust except those that God speaks to and converts those souls that he give eternal life to. Everyone doesn't have eternal life because those souls that sin it, they shall die. But those that receive Jesus Christ and purify themselves and are drawn to God starts to put on the new man. They have a precious possession and that possession is eternal life. They're no longer identified with the world and the things of the world. And as James says, they don't love the world, nor love the things of the world, and they're not friends with the world because to be friends with the world is to be an enemy with God. In other words, you have no fellowship. You don't have the same type fellowship with the world because now you are married to another. You've been adopted into another family. Now you've been extricated out of where you were, placed inside of another spiritually, but not physically. And that's the problem is the physical transition is that you live in the world. But the spirit that birthed you again, prays to the Father that's in operated operation of you says keep them in the world but keep them away from the evil that's in the world. So there's a struggle within you to birth a new man. But in the birth of that new man you must mortify the deeds of the body. In other words, you have to put to death that old man. That old man's not going to die. When you attempt to do good, evil's going to be right there that you want to do you shouldn't you not able to do so there's a struggle but the cheering section the spiritual cheering section and God sends along preachers and others and that's why I pray for others to join us and we look at examples of others exhorting one another that you can win this thing that you can overcome you may not have a whole lot of people that's voicing that chorus to you but there are the voices, there are the examples out there saying we have to pull through and that we're pilgrims down here. This is not our home and that we're fighting a battle. We may not see a, a whole lot of them, but there's many out there that are fighting this war. Yes. That we hadn't been left alone. So we have to be transformed from this world by the renewing of our mind and as we come out of darkness and begin to walk in light as children of light 
Satan's seed, Satan's children, but try to pull you back into the world or hinder you. Your life has to be separated, or consecrated unto God, and His Word has to have a sanctifying effect in you that sets you apart. But you can't physically come out of the world. You can't geographically come out of the world. But you have to spiritually come out of the world. So that's a faith that you will have to entrust yourself unto Jesus Christ and keep your eyes focused upon him and strive to meet that to be made in his image and his light. That's why we can't love the world or the things of the world because if once we start, once we dress like the world, that's because we like what we see. But we have to dress as what holiness would prescribe. We can't look like the world. We can't act like the world. We have to be set apart. We have to be different or we would profane ourselves with the world. So we can't go to places the world goes. We can't say the things the world said because we now are being made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ and he made man upright. But the problem is Satan, the great counterfeiter or whatever, he has a world that you can see. There's a world, this cosmos, this eon that we see that that's what the flesh is. It has an inherent, uh, inherent nature to worship something, and what we start to do is worship the things of the world, the images of the world, the popular people of the world, the popular things of the world. We start to crave what the world has. We start craving the things of the world. So we're walking by sight and not by faith. We're not being led by the Spirit of God. We're being led by the world or the things of the world of being led by the flesh. And if you walk after the flesh, you shall surely die. It says something about a whore, of being a whore, a whore's forehead. I think it's in Jeremiah, the third chapter. In Jeremiah, the third chapter, it says, they say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not the land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou hast not been lieth with. In the ways hast thou set for them as the Arabian in the wilderness and thou hast polluted the land with thine whoredoms and with thine wickedness therefore the showers have been withholding and there have been no latter rain and thou hast hast a whore's forehead thou hast refused to be ashamed the nation is portrayed as this lewd woman as this street walker as someone that everybody can see that she gives away a sales that which she should have a sacrimonial effect of something that is sacred. She dresses. We, we notice the world the way the world dresses now. 
the less clothes, the better. The more naked, the more you have exposed, the more scantily clad dressed you are, the more the world accepts you. It's they presses it to the to the verge of how would you say past the beyond the dress of the women, and they say if you dress like a whore or dressed like something's for sale. That's what a harlot do, dresses herself up to draw attention to themselves. That's why we pass over the word lasciviousness, uh, lustful behavior, to dress in a manner with tight clothing or revealing clothing and not have the body suits and all the, the whatever they call the stretch pants and the conformed clothes and even the men with tight clothes and things up. Dress in, in a way that's animalistic. It's bringing out the animal nature in you. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel spoke of it more than Isaiah did here. As we allured ourselves to a more, less than a beast. In other words, with animalistic desires, we've caused the whole land to be polluted and given to holiday. Not just we see it physically, but it's a spiritual attribute. So what is the spiritual meaning of a whore's forehead? The forehead is the seat of perception. The forehead is the center of consciousness, which the understanding of truth seals. That is, it secretly unites consciousness with Christ. But if we unite our consciousness with Christ, if that mind that's in us is interlocked with that of Christ, we shouldn't have any contentions or we shouldn't have any fellowship with the works of darkness or with Satan because then it would be spiritual prostitution. We have to realize that our body is no longer our body. We're promised to another. We're the bride of Christ. So we couldn't yield ourselves to others. So we shouldn't look like the world. We should look more like Christ. That's why it says that we're made in his image and his likeness. We should be made in his But not in that as a whore, as a harlot, as an adulterer, as an adulteress. That's what the nation is full of, whores and whoremongers. That's what our leaders, our politicians are married several different times. They've polluted the land. You know, you, you, you don't if you divorce for any other means other than adultery and you remarry, you cause the person you remarry to commit adultery also. So what happening the whole land in like I say, we don't want to just put a national bent on this. We have to look at individual responsibility in the individual person because Jesus Christ is working on individuals and not nations as a whole. Even though he works on the corporate body and the church is the corporate body. We have, we have a responsibility of keeping the church purged and cleansed of all wickedness. But Satan has infiltrated the church. And now that dressing and the way that we carry ourselves, the whole church has become that. You read in Revelation, it says, Babylon, the great harlot, the mother of whores. In other words, he's saying that has become a harlot, that which God had sanctified and set apart. The characteristics of a harlot. That's that's why I say, 
when he was saying that you of your father the devil, he didn't mean that you was the physical seed of Satan because Satan cannot reproduce because he's a spiritual entity. But in other words, you have the characteristics of the devil. In other words, he says that you do the deeds of your father and you love to do that. You love darkness rather than light. And as a nation, I'm seeing we, we're doing more stuff that's beyond the edge, that we walk as close to the edge as we can. And those that love on the edge, beware of those. You, 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 you want to be weary of those who try to go as far as they can. How close can you walk to the edge without falling off? Well, I say you're not talking to truly converted people because you want to be way back from the edge. So you don't want to have those characteristics. In other words, you don't want to dress in a certain way that says, is it doubtful? Are they that? And because now we're saying that it's no harm in a person dressing like this. You're responsible for your mind or you're responsible for what you think. Just because I'm dressed like this doesn't mean that. And the old folks used to say, well, if not for sale, don't put it, put it in the window to display it as though it's for sale. Right. And that's what the harlot do, the street walker, the profane person. The following characteristics are either directly named or strongly implied when we talk about harlotry, adulterers, or the lovers of this world. Rebellion, obstinacy, betrayal, distrust, shamelessness in other words they say well you ought to be ashamed to wear that you know sometime a woman that's dressed really immodest a man that in a immodest way they say well you don't have any shame or you, you don't want to cover yourself up shamelessness and nothing has us where we're shameless anymore some things that we say or do we ought to be shamed for all those that obscenity of those type things to come away from, uh, come out of our mouth, or we shouldn't speak that before people, and that's prominent with our politicians of today. There's no shamelessness about them. There's no civil discourse among them now. Greed, compromising, and audacious, and self-centeredness against God and fellow man. Against God and fellow man. Read in Proverbs when he talks about the adulteress, uh, the, the woman that's adulteress, and how she pursues after her prey. These are not the characteristics of a nation that would bring God honor. And that's why people say, well, make America great again. Well, not that you're making America great again. It's just that it was covered maybe during that time. It may not have been as prominent, but it was wicked at then, just as it's wicked at now. Yes. It was wicked at during the time of Christ, just like it's wicked at now. It was wicked at during the time of the kings, just like it's wicked at now. It was wicked at during the times of Noah, just like it's wicked at now, because ever since the beginning, when the sons of men looked at the daughters of men and went unto them, the sons of God, I mean, went into the daughters of men. It's those seeds but in the earth. In other words, those with those characteristics, those with those traits. Sin has gradually carried less of a stigma 
and the sense of shame has been slowly replaced by a growing boldness of an attitude of flaunting sin. We more or less flaunt sin now, and it's prominent in a lot of churches now, and that's why he said that that seed of evil doers, in other words, the children, the cursed children, are bringing this on through generational curses. They're bringing it into the church, and they're more bold with it. Much of that sense of shame has disappeared from the American psyche, the American viewpoint. Some remains in a small percentage of the population, but increasingly bold immorality has become the way of life so that sin is now blatantly committed. People saying that coming out of the closet, if someone used to be of a gay lifestyle, a homosexual lifestyle, a lesbianism, usually the whole community didn't know it. The men would dress like men, but they would have a closeted, what they call a lifestyle. They were ashamed to bring it out. And now they're saying you should, you should have pride in being gay. They call it gay pride. In other words, you who you are, you shouldn't be ashamed of who you are. That, that we have a problem there. That's why in the book of Romans, starting at first chapter of Romans, it tells of the characteristics and the attributes of a generation that has become reprobate. In other words, not a way of thinking, not a sense of thinking. Even in the homes with the spouses, they, they have swapped roles, characteristics that women and men have now have been completely polluted or profaned by the, them being adulteresses, uh, sons or daughters of wickedness, of Belial. He says, uh, sorceress, and now I, I didn't break that word sorceress down in this teaching or whatever, because sorcery has to do with drugs, alcohol, anything that openly influences you or changes your behavior or things that possess you. And that sorcery could be witchcraft, uh, uh, even television, anything that brings in an addiction. Some uh, civility is becoming a thing of the past and there's no civility and no part part of area in life and it's just a mindset it's a mindset of the world the godly mindset has has gone there's only a few that carry that mindset but it's very prominent in the churches nowadays that's why i say when god says search the streets to find a man that be this way that's why the people of god are, are so turning to God now because the one that's really see this are walking around in fear and trembling and that fear and trembling is looking at their tr- the enemies. They see a lot of them. The enemies is right there in your home. Your spouse could be the most wicked. Can you imagine Ahab living with Jezebel? But Ahab himself was corrupt. But he knew that he couldn't turn away from his corruption because he would have to face his wife. Yep. And that's what Jeremiah said during those days. 
a lot of the men knew what the women were doing, but just as it was then, men was afraid to be men, and men today are afraid to be men. Women are afraid to be women and stand up as women because of the feminist point of view. So the characteristics are getting stronger in Satan's view. And God's people, that's why he says the righteous are taken away and no one take it to heart. Just what's happening here? Can we see what's happening because those of us that are in churches, that are in religious places, we're blinded. We're dogs that can't bark because we're not converted. We're not awake. And we're not striving to awake, to, to be. In other words, once God give us that light, instead of fighting to loose ourselves, at every turn, we've become lazy. We've become Lights, we become like Moab, we rest on our leaves. We lay back and think, well, I, I'm just going to be passive about this and take a passive approach. But that's not what Jesus he says. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violence taking it by force. So we have to push our way into the kingdom of God and that is push against our own nature. That nature that's pulling us back, the pull is within us, the depravity of man, because self loves self. Self love to eat, self love self pleasure, self loves opportunity, self love pride, self love the lust of the flesh. And those are the things we will do. So this is inherent in us. We're born in one family. But God puts the seed of faith where we hear the word. And now the battle lives cultivating our ground, digging up our fallow ground. In other words, examining and looking at ourselves and beginning to hate ourselves or what we are or what we were. And to begin to change, to begin to transform that. Rudeness and open, brazen misconduct is becoming the normal way of doing things. This is the kind of conduct the whore's forehead pictures. It represents the blatant, audacious sin of the streetwalker who is out in public openly displaying what she is, promoting herself and tempting others to engage in sin with her. The whore's forehead represents a during practice of sin done overtly with no attempt to camouflage it. Uh, I was hearing on the news today about this high-priced call girl ring uh, brothel that was going around that's prominent Washington, Seattle, Virginia, and with politicians, church, whatever group, those with a high-class high hooks hookers or, or prostitutes or harlots or whatever you call them. They charged their range started from at least $300 an hour. This attitude is rem reminiscent of the story of righteous Lot dealing with the homosexuals in Sodom just before God dropped the fire and brimstone on the people of that vile city. 
This relaxed and careless public acceptability of sin did not happen overnight. Satan comes in and he takes over gradually. It gradually became tolerated over decades. Used to be when I was coming up to say lie was a bad word. As a child, you weren't allowed to say word lie. But it's a popular term. It's so popular now that that ain't no nothing at all to say lie. Its growth was significantly aided by so-called Christian church that abandoned its responsibilities to cry loud and spare not and show God's people their sins, according to Isaiah 58 and 1. They became dogs that wouldn't bark. They took the sharp edge off of the word of God. They took away holiness unto the Lord as a standard and something to be pursued and something to be admired and looked for. It is our responsibility to overcome sin. We have to and look at the book and books in the book of Revelation, all of those churches he says to overcome. He keeps telling you, we have to overcome these things because they are holding you in bondage. But he came to loose us from bondage. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. So for us to break the yoke that's upon ourselves first, and then we can break the yoke of others. We must be very careful to guard ourselves from from succumbing to temptation of being drawn into the same casual approach as others are, as the other churches has. Um, The MSG Bible, the Messenger Bible, says that verse in Jeremiah, third chapter, the third verse says, it says, look around at the hills. Where have you not had sex? You camped out like hunters stalking deer. You solicited many lover gods, like a street walking whore chasing after her god, after other gods. And so the rain has stopped. No more rain from the skies. In other words, God's blessing are no longer falling upon the people. And now God is cursing the people. God has making the heavens bronze. He is causing his word to go forth and he's bringing judgment throughout the land. He says, and so the rain is stopped. No more rain fall from the sky, but it doesn't even phase you. Brazen as whores, you carry on as if you've done nothing wrong. Then you have the nerve to call out, my father, you took care of me when I was a child. Why not now? Are you going to keep up your anger nonstop? That's your line. Meanwhile, you keep sinning nonstop. And I have in there two or three other versions from the NIV. It says, therefore, the showers have been withheld and no spring rains have fallen. Yet you have the brazen look of a prostitute. You refuse to blush with shame. Um, The voice version says, but you still look and act a part of a prostitute, unfazed and unashamed. So we have here about this harlot. What is the mark of God on your forehead? God has a mark. Satan has a mark. We've heard of the mark of the beast. That harlot, that's part of what that means. That's your characteristics. Either you seal with God's seal upon the forehead. 
That's why I say, are we sealed with the seal of God, the testimony of God's people? What is the mark of God in your forehead? Those who receive God's seal upon their foreheads are God's commandment-keeping people. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ, Revelations 14 and 12. So we have to keep the commandments of God and stand for the word of Christ, the testimony of Jesus Christ, and have faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John 3 and 10 says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whatsoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother, that you are not of God. By not loving your brother, we can see that you're not of God. You can't separate between Ukrainians and Russians. You can't separate between Jewish and Palestinian. You can't separate between African-American or black American or white American or Anglo-Saxon or Native American or whatever nation you want to be from, Japan or China or whatever. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no Jew or Gentile. That's no barbarian or Cynthian. So those of us that are making these national sins, we're still in the world. That's why he says in the end time, nation would rise against nation. But the reason they're fighting nation against nation is because of the wars, the things that are within them. That's neither one of them of God. If that's your state of mind, that's your view. In other words, you are the world still because all of those are worldview. Those are not God view. Those are not kingdom views. See it as a metaphor. And I told you in the book of Genesis when it says, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. That is open hostility. And we see open hostility between so many people groups. We see black, white or whatever other nationalities you have here in America, Asian Americans, whatever it is, with open hostility one against another. This shouldn't be. And that, that means you're either the seed of God or the seed of, the, of, of, of Satan. But there's no in-between. You're either for him or against him. You, you can't be. You, you're in one of the two camps. There's two seeds in the earth. There's not three seeds. He says, as the previous verse, the figurative sense overshadows the literal. True, women and snakes are bitter enemies, but the real hostilities are spiritual between Satan and the woman, a symbol of the church. That is Galatians 4.21-31, through 31, Ephesians 5.22-32. Now, uh, what I want to do is, Go to those. Now these two seeds that I'm, I'm telling you about is in Galatians, the fourth chapter, when it talks about Abraham and Sarah. And when it says, uh, tell me ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law for this written? And Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. Yes. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by the promises, which were allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, in which gendered to bondage, which was Agar, 
and the other for Mount Arabia. For this Agar is of Mount Sinai in Arabia and answered to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is from above, which is free, is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that hearest that bearest not. So we're talking about, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even as it is now, that those that are fleshly are of Satan that has open hostilities still persecuted those that are the free. Now, that's not talking about militarily. And when we start looking at the things in the world as nations and open hostility, we put a national picture on it, and that, that's what I told you. In a corporate sense, God judges the world in a corporate sense, just like in the churches and revelations that he judges in a corporate sense. But notice when he says repent quickly, but amongst those, he know which ones hadn't soiled their garments. So within that church, there were individuals that were doing right that hadn't committed the offenses that he was warning them against. Just like in this end time, there are people within this nation that are fighting against what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, that's fighting against what's going on here in America between the races, that's fighting, on, fighting against what's going on with Israel and Palestine. But see, what happens, an open conflict like that a lot of people saying, well, they don't want their tax dollars being sent and spent on war and killing other people and doing all that. Well, that's what would happen when we was born into the human race. Children and everyone involved suffers, but God could judge us individual. So that's why a lot of the righteous are perishing. A lot of the righteous are destroyed within this. But that's that's the that's a, that's how life works. Mm -hmm. We have to see the bigger picture. Yes, yes. But we still have to, in other words, we have to see the forest and not take our eyes off the trees either, though. Right. Because those trees, details does matter. What you are in your life and what sides you're on, are you for the Lord? Because we're the ones that are turning other cheeks. There are a lot of people within a lot of churches and religions now that are conscientious objectors. That's why Muhammad Ali went to jail. He had changed his name because he didn't believe in that kind of fighting or whatever. Someone fighting someone else's wars or whatever. Because that's where wars come over. And a lot of us are involved. Satan involves us in things that he's carrying out for his gain. And by being others being the seed of Satan, it involves others and it brings about causing the whole head to perish. And Ephesians, fifth chapter of Ephesians, the other one talks about uh, 22nd verse. Wives, submit yourselves unto husband, for as the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands. And it goes on 
the picture of relationship between a husband and a wife, but we are members of his body and bones of his flesh, and this mystery of the church is great. So what we have to see is, it's like the marriage with Gomer to Hosea, when he told Hosea to go marry a harlot, he told her to go marry a prostitute. Now, Gomer had children, Ben-Ami, Lorami, uh, but these children, he says, those that he says were his children, are his children. Those he says are his children are not his children. So, even though the woman committed adultery, even though these were supposed to be his children, just like with Israel. He cut uh, he cut Israel out, and he chose a Gentile bride. Mm-hmm. He adopted the Gentiles. He brought the Gentiles. They were grafted in. The Gentiles wasn't his people, but now they have become his people. Right. So consistently in the Old Testament, it was Joseph with Asenath and the, the, the wife that the priest of On had given him that it was a Gentile bride he had then. So that's why I said we can't look at nationalities or whatever that God adopts different races or different people in because he's not willing that any perish. So all of those remnants that each of each people group will be saved, they will be reflective in the body of Christ. So the marriage bed is sacred and undefiled. Right. And so those children that are his, that he adopts the places in the family, he purges them. He purges them of their iniquity. He purges them of their sin. He tells you in that verse that he's going to cleanse them, even though he allowed them to be soiled, even though he allowed them to transgress him, he allowed them this that he was able to cleanse them and redeem them and reconcile them unto God by his blood. That's the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, that are reflective, that we are now sons and daughters. We are no longer strangers. We are in this covenant. He had brought us in. He had brought us all in in Christ. That's why we are the offspring of Christ. In the book of Amos, the fourth chapter, in the second verse, I think we looked, went over that before. It says, the Lord has sworn by his holiness that in the days that shall come, that he will take you away with hooks and your prosperity with fish hook. The, uh, the Amplified says, the Lord God has sworn by his holiness that behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with meat hooks and the last of you with fish hooks. In other words, he's able to separate between sheep and sheep, the goats and the sheep. In other words, the wheat and tares shall grow together, but he's going to separate them in the end. Unless, as we would have done it in olden times and other laborers that didn't have as much light as we had. A lot of the preachers that didn't understand, a lot of the messengers in times before this that were operating in much more darkness. You hear some people preaching such hard words and such 
words that don't draw people that are homosexuals, mm. that don't draw murderers, that don't draw uh, people that have committed suicide. Well, it's hard to do after they commit suicide, but it's certain sins that we preach on, the things that we preach on, that we alienate others and that preacher themselves were in darkness and we see now that God's capable of changing all. That's why Paul says, and such were some of you. Mm. Yes. So that light now that we see that's preaching, that we see all of these coming into the church, that publicans and harlot goes in before the children of the kingdom, the children of the kingdom are being cast out yes. because they're the ones with his word but didn't bring forth fruits under righteousness. God had said in the book of Isaiah, he planted a good vineyard. It had good vines and he did all he couldn't do, but it brought forth sour grapes. It brought forth bad fruit. Mm -hmm. So we have to, our lives have to bring good fruit. But the preachers then or some people then now as God's laying the axe to the root of the tree and every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit, uh, every tree that the father hadn't been, hadn't planted shall be hewn down at the root of the tree. So in other words, now God's going in with lamps and lights and judging individual lives. He's looking at the characteristics he's bringing to fruition a perfect church. In other words, one without a spot or a wrinkle, one that loved the Lord and is going to pull off the things of the world, that they are not going to walk in duplicity. In other words, they go not like the world or love the world and serve God or come before God and still doing the things of the world. In other words, they go overcome this battle. Now, it might take time for them to overcome this battle, but they love God more and they're striving to overcome. Yes. yes. That's why he says a burning flax he will not quench. Uh, because sometimes we discourage people that are really trying their hardest, even though they can't quite come up to muster. Mm-hmm. They're still praying, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me where I'm weak at. I, I'm, I'm hurt. You know, I can't, I just don't have it all, but I'm depending and trusting on you. I'm unworthy. You are worthy in my faith and trust is in you making me this way. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I have faith and confidence that God, and I'm praying to the Father. That's why he says, pray to the Father in my name that these characteristics would help transform by the renewing of my mind, awaken me out of this stupor, awaken me to consciousness, awaken me to life, awaken me to out of this world and regenerate and make me alive in Christ. In other words, quicken me, make me alive because I'm dead in my sins and transgressions. And I want to live. So I need you to help me to lay aside the weights and sins so I'll no longer belong to this family. You know, your family don't want you to leave the family. They're going to do everything they can to hold you in that family. 
Satan's going to do everything he can to hold you and, and bound you. He's going to start offering you more and more, but you must loose yourself. You must allow Jesus to loose you. You must overcome by the blood of the Lamb in the word of his testimony, by the word of God. So we must become skilled in the word of God that requires us to submit ourselves to God. That if we're married to Christ and he's our husband, we have to be faithful to that husband. We can't still be dilly-dallying around with our lovers. We can't be friends with the world. Most adulterous relationships starts out with people being friends. They've been knowing one another for years and years. They were friends, and that's why I say to be friends with the world. Y'all started out, she or he listening at you, and they listen at the problem better than your wife or husband do. But before long, that person's going having you commit adultery with them. You end up marrying to that person or divorcing your wife, leaving that person more than less likely. That's why it says to be friends with the world is to be an enemy of God. Most relationships, people say, well, it started out with friends. You see, a lot of people are right. We used to be the best of friends, but now we're married because that close proximity of one another. That's why they say it's very, it was very dangerous to allow women in the military, to allow people on the jobs. You get too close to some of the people on your jobs or whatever, that relationships could change. Yes. To be cl in too close a proximity. Yep. Birds of a feather. And you start having too many things in common. Mm. And before long, the lines will get blurred. That's why... Adopted children, and my mother said this about my stepfather, that I picked up more of the characteristics of my stepfather than I did of my father because I was around my stepfather more than I was with my father. Yes. You take on the characteristics of those that are around you. That's why if you're in a certain neighborhood, if you're born in a certain culture, you start acting like that culture or the people that you're around. You start talking like them. All everything changed right there. That's why it says bad associations or bad company corrupts good manners. Yes. You tend to become like those you associate with. So the children of God, he says, come out from among them, be separate, and you'll be my sons and daughters, and I'll be a father unto you. But he requests that you come out from among them. Have no associations with these people. In other words, you have to deal with them as much as you have to, but then don't don't get yourself bound to them. Don't 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 be there when you don't have to. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord God.